Welcome to the San Diego News Fix. I'm Christy Totten. The Afghan Adjustment Act was supposed to create a pathway to permanent residency for Afghans who helped the United States during the 20-year-long war. Supporters of the bill hoped it would be included in Congress's 2023 spending bill, but it was left out at the last minute due to Republican concerns. Sean Van Diver is the founder and president of Afghan EVAC, which was founded here in San Diego. Sean, thanks for joining me. Hello, Christy. Thanks so much for having me on. Just to begin, could you give me some background? What exactly was this bill going to do and, and why was it necessary? Sure. So for more detailed background, folks can visit our website, afghanevac.org slash policy. But essentially, this, this bill would do what uh, we've done for every other vulnerable population that has had a kind of mass exodus uh, due to something that the United States was doing. Um, so it would create an adjustment of status, which means that it would normalize their their um, immigration here, normalize their status here so that they could be on a pathway to permanent residence. But it also created accountability mechanisms for uh, the State Department and other uh, parts of government. It created an additional round of vetting for the more than 80,000 people who showed up here and who are here on uh, humanitarian parole uh, on their pathway to status. And it, and it added additional um, categories of folks to the SIV program, for instance, uh, people who served in special operations units and female tactical platoons and other uh, forces within the Afghan military. Um, there was a litany of other things that created an ombudsman for allies and and various other things. It was a really good example of well-negotiated bipartisan legislation that should have been a no-brainer, but for essentially one con one senator who has always been opposed to legislation to help our allies like this, except for when he first got into Congress 60 years ago. It did seem really likely to pass, but as I said, it didn't at the last minute. I mean, what what's your reaction? You know, we're really upset that it didn't pass, but unsurprised. I got to tell you, the support that this bill had is unlike any I've ever seen. We had the Wall Street Journal and AFL-CIO announce support on the same day. We've seen uh, veterans groups, humanitarian groups, resettlement organizations, uh, faith leaders. Uh, we, you know, Afghan EVEC organized a, a letter where more than 44 flag officers, so generals and admirals, signed on, and nearly every ambassador to serve in Afghanistan since 2002 all agreed that this bill was good for our national security and, and critical to our national security, right? We, we have to show our allies, um, that we're going to show up for them, that we're going to meet our promises. And if we don't, when we when we have to go to war again, or we have to go and you know pursue American interests overseas, it's going to be harder for us to convince people to stand with us. And so for a lot of reasons, that's why this bill enjoyed all that support. And yet, one guy, Chuck Grassley, decided that he didn't want this to happen. And because he was the vice chair of the Judiciary Committee, which was the Committee of Jurisdiction, he was able to prevent this bill from going to the committee for markup in the first place, which is why we had to push for it to get into the Ukraine supplemental and the uh, continuing resolution. And then ultimately this, this end of year uh, spending bill. So we, we were trying to like stick it in another vehicle, like many pieces of legislation get passed. He, because he was the chair of that committee, he was able to block it because uh, 
generally for these things, they require what's called four corner support. So the Republican and the Democrat or the, the chair and the ranking or chair and vice chair of the relevant committees in both the House and the Senate have to sign off on it for it to be included. And Chuck Grassley refused, despite having over like Lindsey Graham and Amy Klobuchar and Lisa Murkowski and Chris Coons and 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 10 co-sponsors, some of the most conservative folks uh, that our Congress has to offer were all aboard for this. And and yet. So what will happen to the bill now? Will it have another chance to get through? Yes, yes, it will. And we heard uh, floor speeches from Senators Moran and Klobuchar and Senators Graham and Coons and Senator Blumenthal and more, uh, all committing to bringing this back early in this next Congress. We are going to be pushing for it to pass by April because there's a three-month implementation period for the vetting processes and all the all the various processes, which it initially started at six months. And look, I got to say, uh, Senator Grassley expressed all these concerns. We worked through those concerns. Those the, the the latest iteration of the bill, the, the iteration that was proposed through floor amendment, um, was all of those things addressed. And he and his staff just simply didn't still didn't want it to go. So um we think that in a Congress where he is not the ranking the ranking member of judiciary, which he won't be, it'll be Senator Lindsey Graham, who is a co-sponsor of this bill. Um we think that we are hopeful that we can get it by April, um, which is a real long shot, um, but we expect to see movement. We expect to see it introduced right away, and you'll be hearing a lot of Afghan EVAC and other organizations clamoring for that, um, and we have that commitment from the Senate side. It's going to be easier to get passed in the Senate. Um, we're worried about the House. However, one of the volunteers from in the Afghan EVAC ecosystem is a brand-new Republican member of Congress, next, next Congress, and he is well committed to driving on this. And we think we can get to five votes on the Republican side. So, so we're, we're hopeful to see this pass. Um, and, you know, we're, we're not going away. There's, it's hard to, it's hard for any Senator to make a national security argument when all of the diplomatic uh, leaders and <laughs> nearly 50 flag senior flag officers, including three former chairman of the joint chiefs, a bunch of special operations command commanders, uh, a litany of folks who led on the ground in Afghanistan, all of, you know, U.S. forces Afghanistan and the International Security Assistance Force. I just don't know how they would, how they could possibly make an argument that they're worried about national security with this bill when so many of these folks who have lived and breathed national security their entire lives are for it. Well, what's the real consequence of this delay? What will happen to Afghan allies now? Well, in the worst case scenario, they could be they could be deported somewhere. Not, you know, we wouldn't expect them to go back to Afghanistan. But if they can't normalize their status and if they can't do it fast, they're going to start. You know, our immigration system is so wildly convoluted and hard to navigate that they're going to incur a bunch of legal costs. They're going to incur possible. We've heard that there's possible deportation. I think that's the worst case, but. You know, the reality here is, is that we made a promise to these folks. We told them that we would stand with them if they stood with us. And there are there are a bunch of women and children and young men and women who are here in pursuit of their American dream. And essentially what Congress has done is told them, hold on, you you can wait. 
I got to tell you, Christy, they didn't tell us, hold on, you can wait when we asked them to serve beside us or when we told them that if they stood up for their country and they, they used their voices, they raised their voices in support of democracy, that, that they would have a better life. They didn't tell us to hold on. They just did it. And it's a it's an affront to common decency. And we are weak. Our national security is weaker today because this Congress hasn't passed it. Yeah, well, as you mentioned, this is a credibility issue that, you know, can affect our national security in the future, not not making good on our promises. I mean, has the United States already suffered from the, this decision? Well, absolutely, we've suffered from this decision, right? And in myriad ways, and I want to highlight a couple. One of the ways that we failed and we've suffered credibility is credibility among our military and credibility among veterans. The very folks who we asked to go to war for us, the president and Congress sent my generation of veterans downrange and said, you'll work with these local forces. You can tell them that if they stand with us, we'll stand with them. And we made these promises. We made a lot of promises that they could come be our neighbors. And they turned us into liars. And the moral injury associated with that for both United States veterans and veterans of our wars, the very people who are in question here, right? The Afghans that stood with us. The the crushing feeling, I, I, it's hard to describe the crushing feeling of being let down by your country and being let down by, by leaders who, I mean, even last August, they were telling me directly, we stand with you, we stand with you, we stand with you. And so many of those folks just let this happen, didn't raise their voice. So another way that we failed here, another way that our credibility has suffered is in the eyes of our, our allies, our allied nations around the world, right? There's a lot of stuff going on right now. There's a lot of fascism rising. There's a lot of um, folks who whose values don't necessarily comport with American values. And if we call young people to war again, call our young people to war again, if our allies ask us to come stand with them, or if we're doing something, we ask our allies to stand with us, our credibility shot on this right now. So, and, it, and it's squarely on Congress. You know, Afghan Evic has been working with the, the Biden administration and with congressional leaders for the past year and a half. And everything has been very slow, but at least there's been forward progress everywhere except for Congress. Congress tells us they want to work with us. And we hear it from both sides. We've had staunch uh, advocates on both sides, including Congressman Scott Peters, who was an original co-author of the Afghan Adjustment Act. He and Representative Vargas and Representative Levin they all came and visited the Afghan Evac Operations Center downtown. They've stood with us since the very beginning. On the other hand, there's folks, and, and look, Representative Peter Meyer from Michigan has been maybe the most vocal advocate for this bill in the House. And he was, he gave his farewell speech on the House floor and he made it all about the Afghan Adjustment Act. And he said, if the Senate is going to slit the throat of the Afghan Adjustment Act, they need to do it on the Senate floor. His his um, speech was really remarkable. It's on our website or on our YouTube. You can pull it up, but it, it was one of those. Uh, we've had bipartisan support. And and then there's been a lot of folks. I'm not going to name names here, but there's been folks who said they stood with us and pulled me into their office to yell at me because my letter to the White House and congressional leaders wasn't mean enough. <laughs> we've had to explain that. Um, 
you know, it's not our job to do accountability. It's our job to help Afghans get the solutions that they need. And, you know, it's been, as a veteran, as somebody who believes in the idea of democracy and believes in the idea of our country doing the right thing, even if it takes a little while, it's been really disheartening. But I'll tell you, one of the things that keeps me going is every volunteer that's involved in this and every Afghan who's keeping the faith, who's still standing with us and still hopeful, and the wide swath of the American public, from the squad to the Freedom Caucus politically, who are still trudging along, doing everything that they can in and out of government to help these folks. So I do have hope that this thing will pass, but we have lost some credibility, and the only way to regain it is to swiftly get this thing done and make sure that that we don't ever have to have this in question again. Sean, is there anything else you'd like to add? Yes. Look, the Afghan Adjustment Act will help clear out our backlog SIB system, will help add reporting requirements, it will help so many things, both for folks that are still left behind in Afghanistan and for the more than 70,000 people that are still stuck here in the United States without a clear, uh, without a clear solution for their future. It's the right thing to do. Veterans want it. Everybody wants it. And the most important thing that your listeners can do is make sure that they call their members of Congress all over San Diego. They can go to afghanebac.org slash elected-officials to look up who the representatives are, and they can contact them and tell them that this matters to them. Okay. Sean Van Diver, Navy veteran and founder and president of Afghan Evac. Thank you very much. Thank you. Talk to you soon. 